Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us for post-debate reaction from the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And uh, Bill, it was a true classic debate throwdown tonight. For people who want their debates hot and heavy, they certainly got it. Yes, yeah, someone on Twitter said, oh, this is a terrible debate. Uh, what a mess. What a, you know, what a circus. I thought it was a great debate. Honestly, very interesting. I think you saw much more about the candidates and their character than in some of the other debates, probably because there were fewer of them on stage. And I think there was one big moment in the debate which will have lasting consequences, which was Donald Trump saying that he believed uh, that George W. Bush knew there were no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. Bush lied, people died. As uh, somebody very wittily tweeted out, his uh, choice for running mate is going to be Michael Moore. Wait, that was you. <laughs> well, yeah. It was an accident, an occasional <laughs> moment of wit in a, in a sea of tweets. The, um, no, I mean, uh, this is a position way to the left of, of any responsible Democrat. Obama doesn't say that or think, doesn't think it or certainly doesn't say it at least. Hillary Clinton doesn't say it. Bernie Sanders, I don't think. Things that Bush knowingly lie. What is what is? And I do think I guess Trump will be on several of the shows tomorrow morning. He'll certainly get pressed on this, and he's going to have to explain, or, or you know, insofar as Trump ever has to explain anything, but I think he'll certainly be pressed. And, well, what do you mean? Do you really mean that George W. Bush knew uh, there were no weapons? Why did he want to go to war? That I mean, I just think he's really exposed the a kind of kookiness that he sometimes keeps under control, or at other times when it comes out. You know, it comes out and attacking people Republicans don't like anyway, so it gets kind of excused. But I, I, you don't have to be a huge fan or defender of George W. Bush to find that statement both offensive and, and amazingly irresponsible. It's, it's such a dumb attack. And there was a lot of sloppy from Trump tonight, shouting people down, making ridiculous statements that are easy to check, like I never went bankrupt. Of course, he went bankrupt four times. Uh, it just, uh, I, I wonder, Bill, to me, what this shows, so, someone asked me, what kind of president do you think Donald Trump would be if you're elected? And I said, bored. After nine months, he'd hate the job. I just, why, if you want to know what Trump is going to be like as president, I think he got a good glimpse tonight. Yeah, and I think you see why these long campaigns, which are so annoying in some ways, and, and you know, other countries look at us and think we're crazy, and we are in some ways in the way this is all set up. But you do, you know, it's good that it goes on for quite a while. It's good that there are lots of debates because people do expose themselves. And just as some people thought Marco Rubio did a week ago in New Hampshire, fair or unfair, uh, you know, to, to, to judge too much from that one 30-second, uh, uh, you know, sort of brain freeze that he had, but I think with Trump, it's, it's, and I, I think Ruby actually came back and had a good debate tonight, but with Trump, it is deeper because he has been on the edge of saying this kind of thing for quite a while, and he said it in other circumstances, and now to say it on this fundamental issue, it's not like this wasn't investigated and explored at great depth. It wasn't as if, you know, uh, it is a position of a fringe part of the American political spectrum and Trump, that, that Bush lied, people died, that Bush knowingly lied, uh, and, and Trump uh, embraced it. Full board tonight. Yes, he did. You mentioned uh, uh, Mark Rubio having a good debate, uh, and I, I tend to agree. I think Jeb Bush also had a good debate in the sense that he was uh, stronger than ever. And defending your family, uh, the Bush family in South Carolina, I happen to know, having worked on campaigns there, is a smart move. But I wonder about the overall tone. Do you think the the uh, you're a liar, you're the worst liar, Ted Cruz got called a liar by just about everybody on stage. Is that a winning str- strategy? Does that help the image of the party? In other words, it shows that they're fighting and they're passionate, or does it <coughs> kind of add to the Trump message of a pox on all your houses, let's just get rid of politics? Politicians. 
Yeah, I mean, I suppose if Donald, if, if uh, Ted Cruz nominee will see clips of uh, the other Republicans calling him a liar uh, in the debate tonight, and, and that's a little price you pay for having a pretty uh, intense uh, debate of this kind. But uh, I actually think on most of those issues, Cruz may have exaggerated once or twice, but, you know, he mostly was making, uh, you know, the normal kinds of arguments you make in politics, which is to say you take things a little bit out of context and you exaggerate a little, but I, I don't know that he was saying anything different from anyone else. I thought Cruz did pretty well as well. I mean, if you're a conservative in South Carolina, Cruz decided he was going to just try to get every conservative in South Carolina to be for him. Uh, and if you look at the polls, an awful lot of people in South Carolina Republican primary electorate do call themselves very conservative. So I don't know. I think he had a pretty good debate. I thought Rubio came back well from a week ago. I think Bush had a very strong debate, by far his best, and really got under Trump's skin. Uh, Carson, maybe after South Carolina, could you know, could gracefully uh, retire from the race. Kasich, some people like that kind of, you know, I want to bring everyone together, but um, I don't, I don't, didn't think it was particularly strong. One thing I would say, incidentally, I, I was really startled at the beginning, though, when they didn't take the occasion uh, with just right after, you know, a few hours after learning of Justice Scalia's death, and of course that's how the debate opened. Um, really, only Rubio and Cruz had the wit to make nice tributes to, to Justice Scalia. You know, a great Supreme Court justice, a great uh, uh, icon and hero of modern conservatism. And I, I was amazed that they sort of answered John Dickerson's questions about sort of the politics of it and whether it was legitimate not to let President Obama, not to confirm President Obama's nominee, instead of saying, look, I'm not going to answer that question. Let me say a few words about Justice Scalia. Uh, you know, Rubio and Cruz are, in that respect, uh, a, I just, they're senators, and, and certainly Cruz knows a ton about the Supreme Court, and Rubio knows something about it, having voted for or against various uh, federal you know, court nominees. But I was sort of struck by the failure to, see, to seize that moment and the willingness of the other candidates to sort of uh, answer the question the moderator answered instead of paying tribute to, to Scalia. And I would like to have seen more conversation about it, given Scalia's a background. And, and it really brings the issue of the Supreme Court to the forefront and it would have been great to see someone challenge Donald Trump on that I issue more thoroughly, uh, given that he had said, for example, that his sister would make a great Supreme Court nominee. And she's a, an extreme far left. <laughs> she makes Elena Kagan look like a moderate. And uh, that's that, that would be a great conversation to have the, the day of the announcement of the passing of uh, Antonin Scalia. Yeah, no, I think that's right. It was as if uh, CBS had the, all the questions set up. I'm sure they did. I know how this debate, this debate preparation goes. They had spent days on it. They had it all carefully divided. Uh, and then suddenly there's the death, and they do substitute in this first round. But that was all they substituted in. Again, if one of the candidates had been a little more assertive and said, wait a second, before we get off this topic, uh, whatever he asked about next, you know, right. just say, I'm going to take my 60 seconds to say a word more about this fundamentally important duty of a president and contrast what I might do in my record in the case of someone like Cruz, who clerked for Chief Justice Rehnquist, with Donald Trump and what he has said. I think it would have been a good idea if Cruz actually returned, I think, twice or maybe three times later in the debate to the Supreme Court, only briefly, but I think effectively in the sense that that's an awfully strong you know line of right. uh, argument for him it's, it's, he knows a ton about it he clerked for the supreme court uh, for, for chief justice Rehnquist, and he really um you know i think reminding people that this is a fundamental obligation of the president uh, is a good was a good move by him
So this is an interesting Petri dish we have a week from Saturday, a week from today as we record this. will be the South Carolina primary. We'll have results. We'll have a podcast at night dealing with the results. And if you think if there's a place where the approach that Trump has been taking is not going to work, it would be South Carolina. And yet polls show him with a uh, two to one lead over his closest competitor. If Trump still does well here, Bill Crystal, what does that tell us about the, the Republican Party and where it is in 2016? You know, I I do think Trump took a real hit in this debate. I'd be pretty surprised if if he doesn't go down in the way Marco Rubio did after that debate in New Hampshire. So if I'm wrong and if Trump does well, it'll prove that his support is just absolutely committed to him. They don't care if he thinks that George Bush knew there were no WMD in Iraq. Uh, they don't care if he loses his temper and generally looks unpresidential, to say the least, in that debate. Um, now, if he wins hangs on to wins with 28 or 30 percent, that's one thing. That's still, you know, under a third of the electorate. If he holds, if he can get into the high 30s with a commanding victory, uh, then maybe he will be the nominee. So this will be, I agree, this is even more after this debate. I think, I think South Carolina is even more important after this debate. So it really now is a test of how strong Trump's support is. I've noticed on Twitter, everyone says, well, Trump, what Trump just said is silly, but of course it doesn't matter and Trump's going to win South Carolina. I don't think that's right, but I, you know, God knows I've been wrong so often about Trump. People can discount what I'm saying, but I, I, I really think he will take a hit. I think Cruz has a good, um, you know, attractive message for a chunk of the South Carolina electorate. I think Bush actually has an attractive message for a chunk of that electorate and Rubio too, how much, where Rubio and Bush, how they'll divide up that vote the so-called establishment vote, I think is unclear at this point. But um, I, I would be, if, Cruz, if, if Trump just cruises, so to speak, to victory in South Carolina after this debate performance, uh, maybe it will mean that it'll be, it'll be very hard to stop him later. Uh, well, I'm going to finish up by talking not about this debate, but the debate earlier this week between uh, uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Senator Bernie Sanders. And uh, she, she, I thought, was very smart staying on her message of uh, if you're black and living in South Carolina, you absolutely have to vote for me. And I think it can work uh, given the, uh, the makeup of the uh, uh, democratic primary vote. But what does it say about the status of her candidacy that she's now down to, I, you know, the vote in my party that you can deliver with a bus I just don't know how much that appeal to loyalty works. Certainly among younger African Americans, I'm very doubtful about that. And even among older, you know, it, it's, it's been a long time since Bill Clinton was president. That's presumably the basis of that loyalty. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton are indistinguishable on most issues that are of concern to African Americans, even to, you know, the kind of liberal African Americans they're, try- they're trying to speak to. And actually, Sanders says, if you don't like uh, the sort of tough-on-crime position of the, the Bill Clinton administration, Sanders even has a bit of a talking point against Hillary Clinton on that. So I'm, I remain doubtful that the African-American vote is as automatically, uh, can be as automatically rallied to Hillary Clinton as the media think, or as Hillary Clinton seems to think. Or maybe she doesn't think that, because she actually, as you point out, she actually had to go out of her way to to make that pitch. And that's, that, 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 that itself is, is interesting. It's not so automatic. If you have to spend half the debate saying it, it's not so automatically, uh, that vote's not so automatically in your pocket. It certainly shows how weak she is as a candidate, is that she's now down to this structural base in the party. No inspiration at all. It's 100% perspiration. 
Yeah, it is. And, you know, we're, and Sanders is working hard, too. And, of course, Nevada comes first on the uh, Democratic side. And that's this one poll, a reputable poll out showing that at 45-45. Wouldn't it be amazing if Sanders wins Nevada, even if it's very close? So we've had one tie and two wins for Sanders. Then going into South Carolina, I, I continue to think that people are underestimating how vulnerable Hillary Clinton is. Got a good glimpse of the Republicans and Democrats this week, and I think we'll see these same strategies roll out. And we will talk to you again soon, uh, Bill. And uh, also, want to let everyone know a special bonus podcast regarding the life of uh, Antonin Scalia and the pathway forward regarding a, uh, a Supreme Court nominee. Uh, stay tuned for that. Bill, thanks for your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.